From University of Puget Sound, it's What We Do, a weekly podcast about the innovators, teachers, dreamers, and performers of Puget Sound and the stories behind the work they do. Hello, and welcome once again to What We Do. I'm Chuck Luce, the editor of Arches, Puget Sound's alumni magazine and your host for these podcasts. Pierre Lee is an associate professor of international political economy at Puget Sound. In 2015, he traveled to China as the first exchange scholar with the Fujian Normal University Faculty Exchange Program. During that exchange, Professor Lee taught classes and conducted research for a book he is writing on the development of the Chinese wine industry. His wife and co-author for the book, Cynthia Housen, is a lecturer in the Ethnic, Gender, and Labor Studies program at UW-Tacoma, and she joined him at Fujian. Back in 2013 and 2014, the couple traveled to major Chinese wine regions to interview winery owners, winemakers, grape growers, journalists, retailers, consultants, and wine experts. Since then, the couple has made presentations and published magazine articles about their research on the Chinese wine industry. Here on campus, among the courses that Professor Lee teaches is a popular one called The Idea of Wine, and I'm pleased to note that a project for that course a paper on student affordable food and wine pairings in Tacoma, written by Kelly Frank, class of 16, was adapted for an article in Arches last summer. Welcome, Professor. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, to start, I expect that many of our listeners are going to be surprised to learn that China has a robust wine industry. Um, Yes, it does. And in fact, uh, it surprises everyone. Uh, the, you know, the, the most common question we get when we talk about our work is uh, first a frightened look and then what? They make wine in China? And they really do. Uh, and it's in fact the seventh largest producer in the world or something in that range. And, um, and there is now very good wine that can stand next to the wines of the world. Who knew? But it's by seventh largest producer, so we're, we're talking about greater than France? Uh, not greater than France. France is a very large producer. France, Italy are very large producers. But it's uh, up there with uh, places like, uh, um, you know, Australia, Argentina. Yeah, it's in the top 10 largest, mo most volume of wine produced in the world. Uh, so they're they're a great volume producer. Uh, 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 how about the the quality of the wine? So there's a lot of volume, and like in any emerging wine region, a lot of volume is not especially great wine. And you'll hear a lot of stories from travelers to China who have uh, a fairly dreadful memory of trying a random wine from the supermarket. Uh, but uh, but ask us, and we know that there is very good wine. The the wine you the kind you read uh, has earned medals, and you you read about that in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, and and people are really excited. So so it's comparable to what how the U.S. wine industry was, say, fifty years ago. It it is in, in it is and it isn't. It's it's a it's comparable in the sense that it's like any emerging wine region. It's at this stage where a lot of people are doing very good work, and um, most people in the world don't believe them and don't know they exist. Um, and if you go back uh, thirty years, it was the case of uh, even something like uh, Argentina. So, why not? 
and th this great volume of wine is being pr produced mostly for the domestic market or they're importing as well? Yes, it's, it's, it's produced mostly for the domestic market. Um, there is a very big uh, growth in the thirst for wine in China that needs to be filled and, um, and exporting a, a, a brand new uh, wine country that no one knows about is, is pretty hard. So there's lots and lots of consumers in the country to to fill that, uh, to, to be the demand for it. How, how are the Chinese learning about the wine industry? Or maybe we ought to even just break that down. How, how are they learning about grape varieties, for example, agriculture of, of wine, uh, manufacturing, that sort of thing? There's a very long-standing tradition of uh, viticulture in China. It's very old. It's mostly table grapes, but um, they found in some archaeological research that some of the oldest fermented beverages were made in China. Uh, some of it included some great wine uh, from some thousands years ago, of years ago. Uh, but more recently, what you have is you first had uh, you first you have uh, people who have um, exported wine to China and people who got into that as part of their lifestyle and as part of showing that they've done well in their life. Uh, and started drinking expensive French wines and, and, and then other things. Um, and, uh, and as um, people are learning more, there's some people went to study wine. Uh, some people went to study first in, in places like France or in Australia, came back. Uh, one guy came back, founded um, a, a school of winemaking that's the largest uh, and the first and largest school of winemaking in, in viticulture in, in Asia. Um, near Xi'an, near the Terracotta Warriors, about an hour away. Uh, so now a lot of people are learning it there, whether they are winemakers, uh, grape growers, or uh, people who just want to drink it. Now there's lots of opportunity to learn about it there in China. The, the Chinese economy, a lot of it is, is government control. Uh, how is that applied to the Chinese wine industry? Mm. Uh, so as always in China, everything functions on some sort of hybrid, uh, uh, crazy market and government, uh, government heavy hand fashion. And um, the biggest producers um, of wine uh, have been historically state owned. Uh, the first uh, um, the first winery is actually quite old, very large, called Changyu. It was founded in the late 19th century, um, and and this one is state owned. Um, but um, so so the state-owned players are very big and very important, and they and that's they're the ones you'll find mostly at the supermarket. And then after that, uh, the the government part plays a role in uh, at the local level in different provinces in promoting wine as a tool for economic development. Uh, and so you see a lot of that in different places uh, through the development, uh, so through attracting investors who want to plant vineyards, uh, and, um, um, and, and also the development of, of wine tourism, a particular flavor of wine tourism. Is it fair to say that the government, government support of the Chinese wine industry is such that it, it puts Chinese wine manufacturers at an unfair advantage worldwide? Um, it, it could, and it, it's been a complaint in many industries. I, I think with wine, um, uh, it, it's one of those products where you very easily have an image problem. And that image problem is, is big enough that um, the, the government advantage you might have is, is not that, that strong. Where there was an advantage is on um, the, the taxes on imported wine. 
and uh, and that has gone down over the years. And with some countries like Chile uh, and now Australia, there's been free trade agreements that have made wine from those places there. So so you'll find often much. Uh, so you would think with that you that that uh, with with the taxes that um, the the imported wine would be very expensive, but it's not. You you have a lot of very good value imported wine. And one of the challenges for good Chinese wineries is to provide the same value for the money as the imported wine. You talked about Chinese wine tourism. What's that all about? It's my favorite kind of wine tourism. Uh, it, it, so it, it started uh, on the coast of, of China, where the first, uh, the oldest state-owned winery was, was founded. Uh, in Yantai, right across from the Koreas. And there they have this little wine museum and, uh, and a little uh, chateau in a sort of a French style. But since then, there's been a whole wine tourism trail that appeared in all different places of China. And um, so they will go from a very small boutique winery where you can stay at a little guest house and have food made with the local produce from around the farms and all that and have the wines um, and very quiet. Or you have the more mass market tourism, which is done by the very big players with uh, uh, full-scale French chateaus or even Italian castles um, and, and all sorts of attractions in there. Uh, so, so, for example, I think it, what I like about it is the only, uh, it's really, I think this is the one that, the wine tourism that does the best job attracting your kids and, the fa- and your, part of your family that does not care about about wine. So you'll find anything from uh, uh, haunted house trade ra- train rides and little, uh, uh, actually quite big, genuine, big, full-scale 4D movie theater experiences and um, treasure hunts for the kids in the in the vineyard and the cellar and family day where everyone is coming from, the day of fun at the winery. Um, so they're doing a lot of very fun things. And we like Chinese wine tourism a lot. So, so some of these things are, are, are approaching theme park type. Absolutely. There are. In fact, the first one we've ever been to, uh, well, you get your ticket just like at Disneyland. And there's the map of the of the of the place on it. Uh, and then you go through the turnstiles just just like at any theme park. And it, it, it is a theme park. It, is a, it actually had a, a in the middle of it. There's a, there are several chateaus on the property, There's a golf course. Uh, and there's a mini European town with a fountain and a church where you can schedule a wedding if, if, if you ever want to do that. Wow. Uh, is there anything comparable in other parts of the world to, to that, that large of, a, of, a, of, a, of an undertaking? Um, well, you know, wine tourism in, in, in the rest of the world, in, in major wine regions, is very well developed. So one of the leaders of wine tourism in the world is definitely Napa Valley, uh, I think France came a little later to being better at wine tourism. But Napa Valley tourism is 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 very good, um, but there is something that gets our heart in in uh, Chinese wine tourism that uh, that for us Napa doesn't, uh, and and we we like we 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 like that about about it. Uh, the the flavor that it takes is very uh, is very peculiar. But if you think about it, you know you have. French-style chateaus in Washington State that popped out of nowhere. You have uh, an Italian castle 
that's very famous. People love to visit and uh, at uh, in Napa Valley. And you have and in, we were in Argentina once a couple of years ago, and you have all sorts of really crazy, beautiful architectural projects uh, where you can eat at the restaurant facing the Andes. And uh, you know, so it's it's developing its own flavor, but it's uh, it's been done before. The 4D movie theater has not been done, however. I, 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 I'm waiting to be proven wrong, but I haven't seen that anywhere else. 4D movie theater. Or the haunted house train. I have not seen that at a winery before, uh, other than other there. Other than in China. Yeah. Um, how, t- I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard of 4D movies. Oh, you don't know 4D? You, have you been to 3D? I've been to 3D, I'm yes. A, well, 4D is when you actually have the, all the sensory so effect, the touch. We have touch and smell. So you have touch and smell. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they've... But I don't remember any smells, uh, but uh, you have um, uh, things poking you in the back, uh, wind in your hair, water splashed in your face when something is happening okay. on screen. And it's all about, the, it's, the movie is about wine. Uh, so you're at work on on this book. What's the timeline for publication? So for the timeline for completion of a full draft of the book is hopefully a full rough draft of the, the book is is hopefully in the next uh, in the next three months. That's what we hope. Uh, and um, and then for publication, we've been talking to someone who was interested, but then it will depend on how much we can reach out to them. And one of the things that uh, we're having fun with, but that was very new and challenging for us, is that we're trying to write this for for popular audience. So we're trying to um, change our academic ways of writing and catch people's attention with a little uh, a little fun in here. And we'll see how that goes. Content-wise, then, what can we expect? Uh, well, we'll actually uh, start pretty soon after the introduction. Uh, we'll have a chapter on wine tourism. Uh, we'll have a, a, st- a story of so the wine trail and what you can do there in very different parts of China, from east to west and even close to Tibet. Uh, so, we'll, well, the idea is to take you there with us in the different places we've been to: the vineyards, the chateaus, the 4D movie theater, um, the, and the and the universities as well. So, we we visited some universities that train the winemakers. Um, and, um, and also talking to people who sell it. So going to the shops that sell it, the, the restaurants, uh, there's a, the, the theme restaurants that, that have opened around a particular winery, for example, uh, and, and where, if you travel to China, where you might be able to buy these wines. Um, so that's, that's the idea. And, and, and because we're trying to uh, upgrade our, the, the way we, th- change the way we think about writing, we're trying to have much more of a, a narrative and a story. And so we'll, we'll, we're planning on having a number of, a cast of recurring characters that will roll in and out of, of the book. And so we are... Um, uh, it, it's it's a really fun aspect of learning how to do that. Is there such a thing as like Chinese wine country, or is is it spread out all over that great huge expanse? Of it is spread out. Uh, so there are different wine countries. Uh, you have a wine country in the on the coast at the beach, uh, right across from the Koreas, and uh, in the province of Shandong. Uh, but you have also, when you move inland, you in the province of Ningxia. There's, a, there's a, one of the leading uh, uh, wine regions at the moment um, in terms of its development and the quality it produces. But you also have other ones. So you have you could go to uh, uh, you could go do wine tourism about an hour away from the Terracotta Warriors near Xi'an. Uh, in fact, uh, ten minutes away from Xi'an Airport. 
could do some you could go to that 4d movie theater um, you could go to uh, very different places that some of our research assistants had never been to there were these uh, young women from the east of china and who uh, we took to um, uh, the part of Yunnan uh, that is already uh, a lot of Tibetan culture and Tibetan villages. And it's extraordinary. You'll go to mountains and you can hike and uh, see um, what wine is doing for this region. And you can go all the way to Central Asia uh, in, uh, in Xinjiang, uh, where uh, there's also a lot of wine produced and, and some efforts to, to, to get some form of wine tourism going with it. So it's safe to say, over such a great expanse of land, that in different areas, be, because of the environmental conditions, we're, we're concentrating on different kinds of wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, are we growing certain kinds of grapes in, in certain areas? Um, you So I think it's like uh, in a lot of emerging wine regions, it's a process of trial and error. And at first, um, a lot of people wanted to make uh, a, a Bordeaux-like wine. So you'll you see a lot of uh, maybe in some ways overplanting of Cabernet Sauvignon in some places. But many people are successful with it, and people who experiment with different varieties. And so you'll see uh, all the uh, grape varieties that you like, uh, that people like to have here, and more uh, being. Um, uh, under trial somehow and and produce in different parts of of China um, and 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 they're re- little by little figuring out uh, where uh, to plant uh, what grapes from an economic standpoint then how important is this industry to China um, so the, the first bit of wine tourism on the East Coast came in a place where there was already money and there's a lot, a lot of commerce already. And so it, it's the, that, that wine and the wine tourism has expanded things that people do there. But in the, in the, in the inland of China, in the north center of Ch- uh, and in the far west of China, in Central Asia, um, uh, these are very much uh, economically depressed regions. And um, the, the, the grapevine has this advantage that it will, it will grow as long as you can give it enough water uh, and sun, uh, it will grow on a bunch of rocks. Uh, and it's been an opportunity um, to, to, um, to bring a, a high-value-added crop uh, to, 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 to farmers in, in areas that were, that were quite depressed. It does put pressure on, on resources. It does put pressure on, um, on, on some places on water resources, where soon enough a lot of wineries will be sharing the same couple of reservoirs in otherwise very, very dry places. Um, uh, but the, but the, uh, the potential for economic development through the, the tourism aspect uh, which could be a fairly high-margin business, can attract a mass-market uh, tourism. Um, that is something that a lot of local local governments in, in wine regions seem to be betting on. Whether it will work, that time time will tell. So it's, it's interesting to, to, to hear you talk about grape varieties being able to be grown in marginal soils. So, so this is an industry that requires a lot of real estate, but it's not necessarily taking land out of food production. Mm. And in fact, um, it's, it's interesting you raise that question because in the, sometime in the 90s, one of the ways that the central government of China, uh, now most of the wine promotion is done at local government level, but in the 90s, the, the, the central government of China did promote wine uh, very per- 
with 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 a very specific purpose. Uh, one of them was that the the traditional alcohol baijiu, which is a, a grain alcohol, uh, took grain away from food, and uh, and it's also very very high alcohol. So there were two goals here: was one to direct people to something a little healthier because it is lower alcohol, and two something that would not put uh, as much pressure on on the, on the grain the grain supply. Is Chinese wine available in the United States? One guy who was a fairly uh, long-standing CV uh, in Chinese business uh, and in the Chinese wine business actually uh, founded one of the first uh, companies licensed to import wine directly into China and and he tried to import Chinese wine here for a while um, and the wines are okay uh, but but you do face a serious image problem and no one wants to take you I, on. Yeah, I would think just from the curiosity factor though there'd have to be some sales potential. Well, the, and the way he saw it, uh, this this guy who tried to import Chinese wine, he would have a contract there in China to make wine so that he could specifically for importing it to into the United States, and uh, uh, and he's successfully placed it in a couple of restaurants and uh, even at, uh, at if you and one of my students confirmed a year ago that there's still a bottle or two at Total Wine and More in Reno, Nevada. If you're looking for it, uh, and it's very value, decent value wine, it's just eleven or twelve dollars a bottle. And it's not gonna knock your knock your socks off, right? It's not gonna, uh, but it, but it's okay wine. Um, what I wish is that the wines that do impress and that we've used in blind tastings here, and that people have tasted it, and we told them, you know, we always tell them there's one or two non-Chinese wine in there, so just to keep them on their toes, and, and when they get to one of the first res, they go, this cannot possibly be from China, or they have gone a long, come a long way, and, and, it, and that wine was from China, so uh, we can now serve wine that is just as good as in anything else, and um, the problem is you'll have to find people who want to take it on, but for now, like you said at the beginning, so much demand there that it's difficult enough to export that um, you could focus on. Mm. They're focusing on what's there. You mentioned that there is a chance that you could find some locally? Uh, so you'll find some uh, and um, and I would not, unfortunately I, I will not recommend it, but but you could do it for the experience. So uh, we once went to the, the uh, close to Ikea so next time people are going IKEA shopping around here, you go to uh, uh, Kent and the, there's a, a little Chinese shopping mall that we love. It has a great dim sum restaurant. It's called the Great Wall Shopping Mall. There's great dim sum on weekends. Um, right there, um, sitting on top of the freezer, uh, on top of the frozen dumplings and next to the Yellowtail Reserve, there is one bottle of uh, wine, a 2003 dry red by the, 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 the winery that has all the 4D movie theaters and all the chateaus and all that. And, and unfortunately, it, 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 it's, it's not the best example. That, that, uh, and I wouldn't recommend that you start there and, and then write it off for the rest of your life. Uh, so, so speaking of, of going to a place like that, are, are, there, are there typical wine pairings for Chinese Cuisine? Ah, the, the wine pairing thing. There's something people get really angry about. Um, uh, there's there, this, this uh, we think a little bit of a, uh, this myth of the impossible 
wine pairing with Chinese food, which is the worst kind of promotion you can do when you're really shooting yourself in the foot trying to promote the extreme complexity of pairing. And the way we think of it, there are definitely lots and lots of fun to be had with pairing. We, we love it, right? But if you think about the last potluck you went to, and you've seen a friend of yours perhaps who's only into a certain kind of wine, stick with it from starter through the ice cream dessert, and they could not care less. And what we hope, and what what we hope to see more is people who, well, the people who want to be educated about that, they can play with that, but people want having fun with it. And and the, the, I think the, the beauty of I think a Chinese meal is that you at a restaurant uh, you, you have many dishes on the table, and so for us we see it as opportunity. You can try if you have three different bottles of wine on the table and fifteen dishes on the table, you can play to see what works for you. And if it doesn't work, you take breaks with rice and water, and it's fine. Are other countries in Asia making wine and building a wine-related business? So we're in China right now. Um, we, we sort of we 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 are we are becoming interested in wine from strange places that people don't expect. One of the places we went to in in Hong Kong, uh, that is a very good uh, wine shop and uh, event promoter. It's called the Flying Winemaker. They have a show on on YouTube if you look it up. And um, and the the owner Eddie McDougall, who has this travel show. Uh, can take you to a number of wine regions through the show, and there's different episodes. Two of them are about China, but uh, and we bought some wines at the shop there that were not from China. We got at home. We have currently a, an Indian wine uh, and a Thai wine. So there's a Thai to- wine tourism trail and Thai wine that is getting there now, and you have Indian wine that is getting there now. Uh, there's Japanese wine that is getting some good recognition. So you can have a little bit of fun. And uh, weirdly enough, well, once I was checking in at the, at the doctor's place and the, when I was telling the nurse what we do, and she said, what, there's one in China? It's so interesting, you know, because you usually think about, you know, Sonoma or Oregon. And I said, yeah, you know, or, or, or Idaho. And she said, wait, what? There's wine in Idaho. And so, you know, wine is unexpected only when you don't expect it. What We Do is brought to you by University of Puget Sound. Join us next Wednesday for another story about what we do at Puget Sound. And if you liked this podcast, rate us on iTunes.